Hello, and welcome to A Murderous Affair, the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. My name is Gabrielle, and today I want to start off with yet another apology. I have not been posting on the regularly scheduled Mondays, like I said I was going to be doing. I am recovering from being extremely sick. Um, I think this week is the first week where on the days that I haven't been working, I've been able to stay awake for more than two or three hours at a time, but now I'm starting to function again so don't worry everything is great and that means that we are ready to start off with our more regularly scheduled episodes of a murderous affair so yes thank you for your patience i apologize once again for being a terrible podcast host and i hope that you guys can still enjoy this podcast as much as i enjoy producing it for you guys and to kind of just assuage my own guilt and also kind of as a thank you for the people who keep coming back and listening i'm going to be uploading a bonus episode this week talking about the more recent murder that we've heard from on the hollywood side of stuff which is the Captain America, the first Avenger minor actress, Molly Fitzgerald, who was arrested for murdering her own mother earlier in 2020, which yeah, was just a few weeks ago. So I'll be uploading a bonus episode this week talking about kind of what we know more about the case as it develops, but that's for future Gabrielle to worry about. Currently, our murderess of the week is the Witch of Staten Island, Polly Bodine. So let's go ahead and hear about her. But first, we've got our resources. So a lot of these resources came from different websites like assortment.com, which had an article about the Polly Bodine murder case. The WordPress site, Way Up in the Attic, had some really great information about Polly Bodine, Polly Bodine, as well as strangeco.blogspot.com, which had an article titled The Witch of Staten Island. Randomly, there's also a connection between Polly Bodine and Edgar Allan Poe, because when Edgar Allan Poe was starting off as just a baby journalist reporter, um, he was sent to cover this murder case. And so there's a quote, this woman may possibly escape for they manage these matters wretchedly in New York. On Christmas of 1843, a house fire was noticed by two boys who were coming back late at night from a party. They called the police who showed up with the entire town and the fire brigade. Once the fire died down, investigators found two bodies inside the house, Emmeline Houseman and her infant daughter. But to the horror of everyone there, it seems that they didn't die in the fire. See, Emmeline's arm was broken in two places and her skull was fractured and her throat had been cut. There was also, weirdly enough, a piece of black silk fabric tied around her wrist in a sailor's knot. The infant daughter had also had her skull crushed and their clothes were stained in blood. It was also quickly noted that several items had been taken from the home, including some silverware that had um, Emmeline's initials engraved on it and a watch among some other things. And it was thought that the fire had actually been started to conceal the murders and, and hide the burglary. Emmeline 
Emmeline Houseman was married to a sailor, Captain George Houseman. He was immediately cleared because at the time he was actually sailing somewhere off the coast of Virginia looking for oysters. And Emmeline had always hated when her husband was away. Every time he left, she actually sent him with all of their bulk cash that they kept in the house because she was terrified that robbers would break in. To help make her feel better, George's sister Polly would stay with Emmeline and her daughter when her brother was away and help keep her company. Now let's talk about Polly. Polly had a bit of a reputation in this town. She'd recently been separated from her husband, which was something that was extremely taboo in the 1800s, and she had moved herself and her two children back home to her parents' house, which was right across the street from her dear brother George and his wonderful wife, Emmeline. In addition to being separated, she was also having an affair with the town pharmacist, George Waite, and she was extremely pregnant at the time. Also, yeah, there's a lot of Georges. Apparently, that was a very popular name in the 1800s, and it is kind of confusing. Anyway, what I'm saying is that Polly already had a bit of a reputation against her, and after these murders were committed and no immediate suspect was announced, the whispers began saying that Polly was responsible. Now, somehow this reached the district attorney, and by New Year's Day, Polly was actually in the Richmond County Jail. George Waite was already in custody, and on January 2nd, Polly gave birth to a stillborn baby and confirmed that Waite was the father. And because the baby was born stillborn, the press definitely used this as a confirmation of her guilt. P.T. Barnum, who was known for his famous wax museum, actually installed a wax figure of Polly in his museum on Broadway near Fulton Street. Polly was represented as, quote, the witch of Staten Island and was shown hacking her sister-in-law and her niece to death in this really, really dramatic and gory exhibit, which of course attracted tons of crowds who came to see her represented in Barnum's museum. And of course, the newspapers and all the reporters had a field day not only in New York and the surrounding states, but all across America. Polly's trial started in June, and it was a complete and total circus. Extra ferries were ordered to take to Staten Island, and reporters from around the country were sent to cover it, including one Edgar Allan Poe. So it was during this trial that multiple people testified how these events seemingly unfolded. Polly apparently left Emmeline's house for breakfast with her family on the morning of Christmas Eve. After she'd left, a 14-year-old Matilda Rourke who lived on the same street, said that she saw Emmeline carrying firewood into her house. Other neighbors also reported seeing Emmeline throughout the day. At around five o'clock at night, Polly's daughter, Eliza Ann, went to see if Emmeline wanted her to stay with her that night, and she didn't like staying alone while her husband was gone. But there was no answer at the door. On early Monday morning, Emmeline's 13-year-old cousin came by to see if she had any pills that could help his sick grandmother. There wasn't any answer, and so he started to kick the door in frustration, apparently. And at this point, Polly came out of her house and yelled him to stop. The cousin then said that he watched her go down to board the stagecoach for the ferry. Polly's Polly's 16-year-old son, Albert, was working at a drugstore on Canal Street in Manhattan. Albert was actually a live-in apprentice to George Waite, and Polly claimed that she spent the entire day and night at Waite's place, but Albert would later say that he didn't see his mother until after 4 o'clock on Monday afternoon. Now, there was a Manhattan store owner who said that Polly came into a store and bought a hood with two green veils on 
Christmas afternoon. And later on, two different pawn store owners said that a woman wearing a hood and two green veils pawned silverware to them with the initials EH on them. At 6 a.m. on Tuesday, December 26th, Catherine Hawkins, who was a maid on the ferry, said that she served a drink of gin and a piece of pie to Polly that morning. Polly apparently seemed quiet and was sitting in a darkened part of the boat. Catherine Hawkins was quoted as saying, I thought it marvelous that a woman would ask for gin. One of George Houseman's cousins came to the Waite drugstore at 10 a around 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning to deliver the news. Polly broke down at the news of the murders and left to return to Staten Island with the cousin. And in a really coincidental turn of events, George Houseman had actually docked that morning and as Polly and the cousin made their way to the ferry from the drugstore, her brother was actually walking towards the same ferry. They met on the boat and that was how George Houseman was informed that his wife and child had been murdered and his house was set on fire. Charges were brought against Polly that included murder and arson. But in this trial, there was one juror who had extremely strong doubts and that resulted in a hung jury. It was decided that another trial would take place, but a Staten Island jury could not be seated, quote, in consequence of local and family interests. There's a really interesting quote from George Houseman saying that I could always have another wife or daughter, but I could only have one sister. And at that time a lot of the houseman family was in were in really were in really important positions of power and so there was a lot of conflict in this because a lot of the relatives didn't necessarily agree that this was the best stance to take so in consequence of that the jury couldn't be selected because it was a very conflicting <laughs> it was a very conflicted town before the next trial george Waite was actually released from the jail and he wasn't charged in this upcoming trial. He was thought to be an accomplice, but there was already super strong doubt that Polly had committed the murders. They decided not to try and prosecute him as well. Polly stayed in jail, and the next trial of Polly Bodine for the murder of Emmeline Houseman was held before a Manhattan jury in March. Now, it was time for Manhattan to become the circus that Staten Island had become the year before. This trial in Manhattan actually lasted three weeks, which was a really long trial for that time period. The charges were printed in the New York Herald and took a total of four full columns. However, during this trial, there were several witness statements that were conflicting and who changed their stories, and the same pawn store owners were unable to identify Polly this round. The Manhattan jury returned with a guilty verdict. So, you know, justice is served, or so you would think. Instead, the state Supreme Court invalidated the Manhattan verdict of guilty and agreed to 27 of 29 exceptions brought by the defense and ordered a retrial. So for the Manhattan retrial, they screened a total of 6,000 potential jurors. 4,000 of them were interviewed and a total of 10 were found to be unbiased. And just like there was no second Staten Island trial because of conflicting interests, there was no second Manhattan trial. Instead, they ordered a change of venue and it was moved to Newburgh, Orange County, New York. And in April, the Newburgh jury came up with a very fast answer to the question of guilt or innocence and found Polly Bodine innocent of murder. The remaining charges were dropped and Polly was set free after two and a half years in jail. Apparently, she returned home to Staten Island where she began a housekeeping service with her two children and supported her family as a nurse. Um, she died either in May or July 27th, 1892. 
There's a couple of conflicting months for this story, and these murders remain technically unsolved to this day. However, several historians note that upon re-examining the case, Polly was most likely guilty as charged. She is currently buried in Fairview Cemetery, and that is the complete media circus and trial of Polly Bodine, who was supposed to be on trial not once, not twice, but a total of five times within two and a half years. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I would love to know what you think of it. If you would like to find more episodes of A Murderous Affair, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple, Podbean, Libsyn, wherever it is, you can find A Murderous Affair there. Or to make things easier, you can go to frumiusreads.com slash a-murderous-affair. There will be links in the description of wherever this podcast is posted because I know that's a really long URL. I would love to know what you thought of this episode, what you think of the Witch of Staten Island, and if you have any suggestions for any future murderesses, please feel free to let me know. But for now, that's all I have for you guys today. Stay spooky, friends, and I will talk to you next week. Goodbye!